Radio Mano Papachango. Welcome to Tangentially Speaking. I'm going to die a virgin. That was um, in the note that the shooter left in uh, Roseburg last week. I'm going to die a virgin. It strikes me how much these shootings have in common. There are exceptions, of course, but most of them are young uh frustrated men who feel isolated from American society and um, fixated on the fact that women don't accept them, don't find them attractive, interesting, and they have no connection to women. This is not women's fault. Uh, please don't anyone misinterpret what I'm saying as being... Uh, in any way, an attempt to, to cast blame for this stuff on women. Quite the contrary. I think that um, what's happening is that American society is spurning, is, is yeah, spurning, is, is churning out these uh, young, frustrated men, as it always has. Um, but those frustrations were directed in other ways uh, in past times, um, or maybe they weren't as intense. Um, maybe there wasn't the sense of, of isolation um, that people feel now, largely because communities have fallen apart um, due to the economic declines. Uh, you know, these trade pacts that, uh, like this week, Obama signed the uh, Pacific Trade Pact and Clinton 20 years ago signed NAFTA, North American Free Trade Agreement. And there have been a slew of these things, and every time they tell us, oh, this is going to be so great for American jobs. And then the American jobs just keep disappearing. Particularly, of course, the middle class uh, factory jobs where you could make a decent living without being uh, working in the financial sector or having a medical degree or a doctorate. You could just be uh, an honest hardworking person and you could go work at the factory, make 30, 40 bucks an hour, have a union job, have a pension, have health care covered. You could raise a family on that. No more. That's all gone. All those factories are there in uh, Mexico or Korea or Cambodia or China now. And the people who are working in the factories in those countries aren't your enemy. They've got your job, but they're not your enemy because they're not getting that 30, 40 bucks an hour plus benefits. They're working for pennies. Reminds me of the movie Crash that came out, I don't know, 15 years ago. I think it won an Oscar for best film. Haven't seen it since it came out. But what I remember about it was that people in Los Angeles felt so isolated that the only time they really had any connection was when they crashed into each other in their cars that that was the time when they would get out of the cars get out of their shells and actually interact with one another sometimes it feels like that's where this country's going a guy named nate who listens to this podcast grew up in roseburg 
sent me an email after uh, listening to last week's episode. I'll read some of it. He says, uh, my hometown is Roseburg, Oregon, a beautiful little city tucked amidst amongst the valleys of the north and south Umpqua rivers. Umpqua, I'm not sure how to say that. Where I spent my formative years growing, exploring, learning, gathering a lot of great memories. Back in those days, guns were a pretty common sight to see in gun racks while driving around town and even at our high school. To me, Roseburg was always the big city where things happened. I lived on the edge of town, spent much of my youth playing down by the river. Pellet gun on one hip, a Rambo knife on the other, a fishing pole tackle box. My family wasn't necessarily outdoorsy, so I really cherished those experiences. Learning most everything about survival from books, magazines, and a few friends who lived hard lives with hard parents. There were a lot of families in the area who fit the definition of living hard. He says, the responses to the shooting are as predictable as ever, and I'm so saddened how it's divided the community. It's basically where those that are educated tend to drive in the more gun control lane, while the kids that either flunked out or barely passed or slept through school now fashion themselves as constitutional scholars and advocates for safety and life while careening down the more guns lane with Gary Busey at the wheel. The dichotomy is extremely apparent, but it's very difficult to point out publicly. I've already seen lifelong friends get in online shouting matches, etc., etc. Now, I don't think Nate means to be insulting anybody, uh, nor do I, uh, nor did I when I pointed out that most of the people who send me um, nasty tweets or emails about uh, how important guns are uh, aren't very good at spelling. Um and I'm not even necessarily saying there's any problem with not being very good at spelling. You know, it's it's not that big a deal. But my point is that people who are uh, fixated on guns are people who tend to have no other source of power. So they're people who are poor. They're people who are uneducated. Poverty and, and lack of education are two manifestations of powerlessness. Uh, I'm not pissing on anybody who's poor or uneducated. Uh, Not at all. Uh, What I'm saying is that your pockets are empty and so you can go to the Walmart and buy a gun and put that in your pocket and it feels like it makes up for the emptiness. It feels like on some level it makes up for what you're missing. But it doesn't. Not really. Because the only power you get from a gun is as we've seen in most of these cases, the power to kill a bunch of other people who are basically like you. You can't take your fucking gun to the White House. All these politicians talking about guns, 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 we need more guns. Yeah, right. Try getting within 100 yards of one of those politicians with a gun. Speaking of guns, I went shooting yesterday with uh, my buddy Justin, and uh, I was shooting his .30-06, uh, target practice in a range, in a gun range, and he was trying to dial in the scope on his uh, 300 Winchester Magnum, and uh, he asked me to to take a couple shots with uh, the Winchester to uh, help him dial in the the scope. So I sat down and uh, pulled the trigger, and the fucking gun blasted back, and the scope dug right into my forehead. So now I've got a 
you know, I'm sitting there in the gun range uh, with blood streaming down my face. Um, luckily, I wasn't unconscious or anything, but it was pretty embarrassing walking out of the gun range with blood coming all over my face. I had an old gun rag somebody gave me, so I'm, you know, sticking dirty gun oil into my bloodstream. So be careful out there on the gun ranges, ladies and gentlemen. Don't be a dumbass like me and walk out of there with blood all over yourself. Strange story. I was, I think I told you last week that I was down right near Roseburg when that whole thing went down. And I was with my buddy Martin, who uh, had flown in from Amsterdam, and we were cruising around, took him up to Crater Lake and some other places. And um, that morning we were driving on this country road that somebody had shown us. We stayed overnight in Shady Grove, I think it was called. And uh, the waiter in the restaurant told us a shortcut that was this country road. So we took the road and we were driving along and there's all these very remote places. And, um, you know, probably uh, this guy, Nate, who grew up around there, knew the road, knows the road, probably, you know, hunted and fished back there. And anyway, we were talking about the podcast and how um, some ideas that I'm trying to work out in the book, I'm writing about how the what's called the pure progressive movement these you know people who see the internet as having revolutionary potential for amazing change in human society some of the arguments they're making is how we're we're able to form networks now with people who were isolated before and not really part of any network because they didn't live in a city which is what you need you needed to be in physical proximity to other people in order to form these networks now you don't And I was talking about how sometimes I get emails from people who um, there's a common theme where they're saying, you know, I'm I'm here, whether it's in Sweden or Norway or Finland or some, you know, tiny little town in Canada or some town in the U.S. where there aren't people around who think the way you and your guests think, they say to me, right? There aren't people who you know, are open-minded about some drugs and some, you know, different kinds of experiences. People are very closed-minded here and they don't get me. And now through the wonders of podcasting, I'm able to meet people who are out there in the world and they think the way I think and they value the things I value. And that's incredibly liberating. I was explaining this to Martin. I said, like, look at that house right there. You know, like maybe there's some kid who lives in that house who's 18, you know, 19, 20, whatever. And he's isolated. He's got no friends because he's not like the people around here, right? Maybe he's gay. Maybe he's not gay. Whatever he is, but he's he's his experience doesn't fit into what's expected of the people around him. And so, by listening to podcasts and connecting to other people through the internet, he finds his tribe, and and you know, so he's not as isolated. You know, and then that thing happened. I mean, maybe it was happening while we were having that conversation, but. It de- it definitely seems that at the same time that the internet is offering a way for people to connect with one another, um, on some level, other people are becoming less and less connected and drifting further out away from the bosom of human society, as they say. And I don't really know what to do about it. I don't have any policy um, suggestions other than the fact that the United States has its its priorities so fucked up that uh, 
we can't afford to have decent schools for kids. We can't afford to have decent counseling, psychological services. We're spending more money on prisons than we are in an education. We're taking mentally ill people off the streets and we're not giving them counseling. We're not giving them even psychiatric care. What we're doing is putting them in prison. That's what the United States does with mentally ill people now. We put them in fucking prisons. That's not how you treat somebody who's mentally ill. But it is how we treat them in the United States. I just saw this Vice special on it. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. It came out last week. Um, you can see it online at vice.com. It's, uh, they go with Obama, actually, to a federal prison and um, sort of shadow him when he has uh, conversations with some people there. And then they they go back and look at the the background of each of those prisoners and how they ended up there. And these are nonviolent prisoners. These are guys who, you know, needed to make some money to help their kid with an illness or something and sold some drugs and got busted. And next thing you know, because of minimum mandatory sentencing, they're doing 20 fucking years, these guys. You know, or it's somebody who's got a mental health problem and they end up in fucking prison because the country's not, since Reagan... The country uh, is not putting money into mental health services the way we need to. But you can buy a gun. You can always buy a gun. Okay, before we get to this week's guest, which is the dangers, by the way, who aren't really dangerous at all. A couple of uh, housekeeping things. First of all, Please do not sign up for premium content on Libsyn. If you listen to this podcast through the Libsyn page, um, ignore the, the the button that's imploring you to uh, sign up for the uh, extra content or whatever, because there is no extra content. But because there was, they won't take that button down until, I think, next month. So the button's still there. Please ignore it. Um, it's very nice. People are still clicking on it and giving money, but... Only half of that money comes to the podcast. Libsyn keeps the other half. And since there really is, you know, I've made everything free, um, I don't want you to get ripped off or feel you're getting ripped off. So please don't sign up for extra content on Libsyn. If you want to support the podcast, which I really appreciate, the best ways to do it are either through Fund What You Love. Just go to fundwhatyoulove.com and you'll see the Tangentially Speaking campaign there as well as some other great campaigns. Um, you can click on that and then uh, you enter your credit card information just once and you say how much you want to give per month. I don't do it per podcast because if I do some extra podcasts, nobody should have to pay extra for that. But it's just per month. So if you want to throw in, you know, buy me a beer per month, five bucks, whatever it is, 10 bucks, whatever you can afford, um, then I have a, a budget and I can see how much is coming every month and that's great. Um, the other great way to support the podcast a lot of people are doing is through my Amazon affiliate link. Just go to chrisryanphd.com. You'll see the Amazon uh, uh, button there on the right in the right margin. Click on that, then bookmark that page. And anytime you go through that bookmark, whatever you buy, a certain percentage of that comes to the podcast, whether it ranges from 2 to 7%, depending on what type of product it is. Um, and uh, that's really great because it doesn't cost you anything. It comes right out of Amazon's bottom line, and God knows they can afford it. What else? Uh, Carsey Blanton is running a Kickstarter program right now to fund her next record. 
Uh, so if you uh, love Carsey, as I do, uh, please consider tossing some cash her way to uh, support that next record. Go to kickstarter.com and then uh, just Google Carsey Blanton. You'll see her there. It's the, her project's called The Radical Magic of Pleasure and Pop. Yeah, yeah. The Radical Magic of Pleasure and Pop. And you'll see a very um, alluring photo of Carsey in a bathtub with red high-heeled shoes and stockings. Last but not least, if you're into Reddit, R-E-D-D-I-T, you can go there. And there's a tangentially speaking community, having conversations, posting things um, that are relevant in some way to the podcast, whether they're talking about episodes or um, giving me a hard time for various things. I'm sure someone will make fun of my gun wound this week. Um, anyway, it's a, it's a very, uh, lively, fun group there. So if you're on Reddit, check out tangentially speaking one word and drop in there and say hi to the crew. Had a lot of really nice emails, uh, after last week's, um, podcast, um, with West, uh, people very um, feeling very empowered by his story, and also people really um, impressed and touched by the uh, the songs I played by his buddy Kim Churchill, uh, particularly the song uh, "Don't Don't Leave Your Life Too Long." Uh, actually, got an email from a guy in Australia who was having a party. I think it was a like a bachelor party with a bunch of buddies and. Um, in the morning, woke up and his best friend had died during the night. And then uh, he heard that song later the day and, and obviously was pretty touched by it. And um, yeah, weird how these things happen. But anyway, don't leave your life too long. The Dangers are a couple that uh, Cassie and I met purely by happenstance here in Portland. And... Uh, we got their story, and I thought, man, I'd love to have them on the podcast. As you'll hear in our conversation, it was hard to convince them to do it because they're uh, they're just they're just sweethearts, you know. And so they, you know, they think podcast. And I probably, you know, told them how many listeners I have, and that, you know, I did that to say, like, hey, it's not a waste of time. A lot of people listen to this, but I think. Um, it uh, it might have scared them a little bit. And so they were like, oh, you know, I don't know. Our story is not that interesting. But it is. It's really interesting. Um, so, and I find it interesting because it's just another example of like thinking on your feet and taking, seeing an opportunity and taking it and revolutionizing your life. It's not that, it's not a huge project to pull it off. It's just tweaking a little around the edges. And next thing you know, your life's completely different. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with them. Um, I, I think they're wonderful, and I'm really glad to have had a chance to meet them. If you want to uh, see their play, see the van, you know, see more uh, insight into the things we're talking about here, go to my um, my site. I'll have links to their apartment that they renovated, some photos of the van, them on the road, etc. And if you want to follow them on Instagram, I believe their handle is the dangers with a Z at the end with a Z. And we talk about it in the podcast. So if you don't have a chance to write it down now, don't worry about it. It'll come up again at the end. And of course, there are always links at my site, chrisryanphd.com. All right, I am going to play you into that 
conversation with one of the mashups that I made months ago and only used once. That's a lot of work to only use those things once. So I'll throw one in here and then I'll play a great song uh, later in the podcast. I'll uh, interrupt and play Mexico by Steve Forbert. It's, uh, it's a quirky little song that I really enjoy a lot. And I always sort of, it reminds me of being on the road. So I hope you enjoy this. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you soon. You're supposed to sit on your ass and nod at stupid things. Man, it's hard to do. Modern day slavery is knocking on my front door. I don't fit in the corporate world, whoa, whoa. man. I never pledge allegiance to your blood, sweat, and taxes. Don't ever mistake me being docile for contentment. Don't ever mistake my anger for resentment. You tried to blame an error, but the whitey was the bomber. You be jumping to conclusions. I think you spent your whole life watching cable in seclusion. It is what it is, and that's all. What are you going to do? Will some fool look up on a clear day and say that the sky's not a true enough blue? Here we are in Laurelhurst Park yet again with joggers and dogs and (laughs) pregnant ladies and uh, pushing strollers. Beautiful. I'm talking into a a mic muff because I have two guests today and I'm so I'm I'm, I've got a handheld. (laughs) Oh, aren't you cute? They're kissing each other. Um, Jen and Brian Danger. Danger. So, uh. Here's how I met you guys. I don't know how well you remember this day. My Clearly. wife and I were going for a walk in the neighborhood, as is our want, a late afternoon joint smoking walk. And we walked by this place, and it was beautiful. And it was all open, and it was all funky and cool. And there was a sign out front that said Zenbox Design. And I said, oh, let's check out. The, this is like an architectural office. Like, look how cool it is. And we walked up and you guys were in there. And I didn't know if you worked there or you were like other people who had walked by and you were checking out this open house. And then it turns out like it's your you live there. And we had just wandered into your living room like a couple of idiots. And you showed us the shower and, the, you know, like how the, the table came out from under the bar and all this really cool design stuff. And somewhere in the course of you showing us around your apartment, we realized that we were in your apartment, which was a little awkward. And then even further down the road to show how out of touch we were, 
we you we so, something came up like we asked if you wanted to go have a drink or something and you're like oh no we have to go to the hospital <laughs> because you had just like gashed the shit out of your leg i actually did not remember that part See, of the that, day. i thought you might have forgotten that and then i was like how are you people so chilled out and relaxed you're like oh we got to get to the hospital but oh these strangers have wandered in let's show them around instead <laughs> what well, healed up just fine you're I mean, in super hindsight. hospitable you too we try thank you I, that was yeah. that was really it was one a fun of, day actually. Yeah, we we walked away from that just saying, "Damn, we really like Portland," you know. <laughs> like that's one of those stories that that becomes emblematic of a place. So thank you for we for we that. have those I love Portland moments a lot for sure. Which is a good reason to love Portland, right? <laughs> I mean, there are nice people anywhere, but Portland seems to have more than its fair share. We we were living in um, Vancouver, Canada for two summers and planning to immigrate to Canada. But then they suddenly switched their immigration policies that took us off the fast track to the you're in there with everyone else track. Interesting. So we said, OK, fuck that. Let's move to Portland instead. I'm American, so that makes it sort of easy. And um, we looked on Craigslist uh, for um, like a sublet. And there was a couple who wanted who were going to go to L.A. for a while. And so we said, um, hey, you know, maybe we'll drive down next weekend and take a look at your place and maybe we'll rent it. And the woman said, "Ah, oh, next weekend we're going to be at um, Brighton Bush, the hot springs. Um, but come down anyway. And I was like, well... What do you mean? She's like, I, don't, I say, you're gonna, will you leave a key with a neighbor or something? She said, no, we'll just leave the house unlocked. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> you don't know us, right? <laughs> well, it doesn't matter. It's cool. Whatever. Sleep in our bed and we'll leave some beer in the fridge. <laughs> and can you walk our dog? I'm like, All right. Yeah, we'll walk your dog. <laughs> so we got down here. We drove down. And they had this beautiful house. And we just walked in the front door. And there was this nice little dog. Like, hey, okay. And there we are, we're sleeping in their bed, walking their dog around the neighborhood, and people are going, hey, he's Fido, or whatever his fucking name was. It was like we just moved into their life, you know? And then they came back from the hot springs, and we had dinner, and they were great. And it was like... Awesome. Welcome to Portland. cool town. Yeah. <laughs> cool town. So, anywho, um, now, there are two, two reasons I, I've been wanting to get you guys on the podcast. One is that you're... you're like way of approaching life seems really interesting and relevant to a lot of people who listen to this. Because a lot of people listen to this, they want to travel. I mean, I have no idea if this is accurate, but based <laughs> on the, the emails I get from people and people who run into me in the street or something who listen to the podcast, it seems to be a lot of smart people in their 20s, early 30s, who are questioning the the plan you know the received idea of how you're supposed to live your life they've got either they've got college debt or they've got jobs that was karma the dog coughing <laughs> under the table by the way <laughs> thanks for taking part <laughs> yeah. um but uh a lot of people are looking for alternatives and so i think you know i've found my alternative and it seems like you guys have found an alternative as well and the little bit of the story that I heard that day while blood was dripping down your leg seemed very <laughs> inspirational. So, <laughs> Although dangerous, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, that, alternatives are always dangerous. That's the thing, right? If, yeah. you, if you veer off road, you never know what's going to happen. You know, a lot of people have asked us why 
we are called the dangers and you just nailed it I think but we don't feel dangerous at all so we sort of laugh it off when yeah. people ask that, ask that question we're like oh, our friends coined that for us but is it because they felt you were dangerous or because you were doing dangerous things or what I think they understand us enough to know it's not dangerous but it's certainly abnormal and so I think <laughs> at some point along the road it just kind of stuck right and you know, we eventually called our blog by that name, and now people actually know us by that name. And so, you know, at the community workshop where we work, somebody walks in and asks for Brian Scott. They're like, we don't have one of those. And people <laughs> weave. And so I'm like, I had a meeting earlier today. Where'd the guy go? Um, so, yeah, it's, it's just, it's not fitting from our point of view, but I guess it is from everybody else's. That's so nice. That's the best way to be called dangerous, like with all that humility and... Like, I don't know why they call me dangerous. I'm just a mild-mannered gunslinger. We're simple people. We're not wild and crazy adrenaline junkies. No, you're not surfers or... Well, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Aspiring surfers. But not extreme surfers. We're, you know, we're those, like, you know, once every three months we'll dip our toes in the ocean. Yeah. I think it's fair to say this podcast is probably the most terrifying thing we'll do most of this year. So <laughs> you can factor that into the realm of, so, of other dangerous activities. All right. So that's, that's funny because before I turned on the mic, uh, Jed was talking about how the reason you wanted to do this is because it sort of scared you a little bit, which I find hilarious. Yeah, just a little. But, yeah. <laughs> well, we should have had a few drinks beforehand probably. Yeah. We, I, did, we did have a sip of tequila oh, just for a little oh, good. extra I should keep a bottle in my, you know, and with the mics and the cables, probably. It's a good idea. <laughs> a little anesthesia or something. Just to wet the whistle and loosen the pipes, yeah. as it were. I used to teach English um, in Spain for years. I, I taught English in Spain and also in San Francisco when I first started. And when, I remember back in San Francisco, I had a class of uh, Japanese students and a class of Russian students. And they were like the two extremes of what you would get, right? Because the Russians weren't afraid of anything. And so it was just like crazy, fun, hilarious. And the Japanese were terrified <laughs> of, of everything. Of everything, yeah. yeah. So you couldn't get them to say a fucking thing. It was, it was impossible. But um, then later I was looking, at, I was doing research in psychology, and I found that if people have a few drinks, they learn languages, better because they're not afraid right because they're like ah fuck it i'll go for it interesting so then in spain it was very easy to arrange to have class in cafes and drink a little wine and you know that was the secret to my success i love it (laughs) (laughs) dating you know teaching english everything just get the wine get some wine involved you'll do better (laughs) anyway so so uh Let's talk about the travel and, and the story about your, why you're living in your garage. Mm-hmm. When, well, now you're living in a car, right? Or in a van. No, not really. Down by really. the river. That's, <laughs> that's our backup plan. <laughs> we're still plan, looking for the river. But, I mean, we're a bit nomadic, but definitely a brick-and-mortar <laughs> nomadic. Brick-and-mortar nomadic. Yeah. All right. So you were living in that house. And you decided to go on a trip to Central America in a van? Is well, that... let's back up a little. Okay. Brian, why don't you back go it ahead, up. Hun? How far do you want to go back? <laughs> Were you born a poor <laughs> black child? I was, actually, yeah. yeah. It's funny that you saw right through that. Um, no, we, we had very normal, we had the plan, like everybody else, mm-hmm. you know, and we, we had very 
you know, we didn't have horrible jobs. We had jobs that just weren't quite fulfilling. And it felt kind of stuck. And, you know, Jen had this amazing ability to just have no fear. The Russian approach of the two that you just kind of talked about. I had more the Japanese approach. Right. And she was like, let's just say fuck it and get out of here and kind of recreate ourselves. And what I, were your jobs? Uh, Jen did numbers. I uh, worked in mostly kind of sales, marketing, small consulting firm. Right. Three-piece suit and tie. Oh, um, oh. That was the part, the, the stuck Shave. part that we just talked apart. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so she kind of just said, let's get out of here. And I didn't have the confidence to do that. And so for us, that meant setting a long-term plan. Right. Or for me, that meant setting a long-term plan, certain number goals, you know, ways to try and feel less intimidated about it. Right. Turns out even when you go to do it, it doesn't really matter how much of that stupid shit you've done. You still feel just as terrified as you yeah. would have without doing it. Yeah. Um, but that's what we did. So we took several years to kind of try and remove ourselves from society. And then, yeah, eventually, you know, cut the cord, I guess, and mm. moved into our van and drove south. Do you uh, rent it out? You own that house or you have a mortgage on that house? We actually uh, rented that house and moved north to Vancouver, B.C. as oh. well for about oh, two years. Oh, okay. um, My career took us to Van for a couple of years, and that's when we said, all right, let's stop the career thing. Let's right. stop the corporate North America thing. Let's go be free and camp and be out in nature and mm-hmm. see what happens if we do that for a year to two years. Maybe we come back and we're happy and Back. maybe we find a beach and never leave. Maybe we move to a beach somewhere in Mexico. Yeah. And yeah. how old were you guys when you were having these conversations? 35 and 37. When we, when we actually left. I, I would have guessed you're younger than that right now. So I'm, I'm confused. Thank you. Time war. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, not the case. <laughs> not the case. It's called <laughs> happiness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, when I was 30... People always guessed I was like 24. And then when I was 40, they would guess I was 35. And then somewhere in my 40s, the lines crossed. <laughs> and then people are like, I'm 47. And they'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> I think people have always told her she was 10 years younger. People always thought I was older. And now I'm trying to fight back the curve the other way. Well, you got the shaved head, so that that confuses well, that wasn't like every choice. You know, I mean, I, well, I'm the only guy in my family that ever had even a receding hairline, uh, and basically had to shave it off. It's a all that masturbating ago. you were doing as a teenager. Oh, is that what that was? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shit, I wish somebody would have told me. That. <laughs> I thought you waited for me. I did absolutely. <laughs> Don't masturbate till you're married, son. Your wife. Actually, will- that's kind of what I learned growing up. That's. Not far off. <laughs> really? Yeah, Did you have a, a restrictive kind of upbringing? That's fair to say. Yeah. yeah. Grew up in South Carolina. Uh, you know. That'll do it. Restrictive would be a tame word, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. At least you weren't a Mormon. I, I've had a couple Mormons on the podcast. They they get crazy when they get out. Oh, my God. They do. We lived in Utah for a, a, oh. a while Almost as year, well, and yeah. that, was, that was an interesting experiment. What part of Utah were you in? Ogden. Ogden. Uh-huh. Do you know it? I don't. I've been to Moab, you know, down that. Beautiful. Yeah, I love that, that area. But Hour or so north of Salt Lake. Uh, shares nothing with Salt Lake. Right. In terms of progressive culture, at least. I guess. Yeah, yeah. But it was fun. You know, we bought a house that we thought was up and coming. Turned out it was the drug and prostitute house for <laughs> the neighborhood. It was down and going. It's great. <laughs> yeah, we'd get, we'd get knocks on the door at one in the morning. People had been released from jail. Apparently in Ogden, they release you at midnight. 
and they would come to our house because they thought that the drug dealer still lived there, and they were trying to straight from jail. They go to the drug house. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's not a good sign. No. (laughs) System's working great. So Brian, as tough as voice, would be like. Troy doesn't live here anymore. <laughs> I, I, I'm a parole officer. <laughs> so, all right, wait, was Utah, was that before or after? Yeah. It was before. Uh, before, okay. Yeah, it was, uh, we were in Portland. We met in Portland. We did a year in Utah. We came back to Portland. We did a couple years in Van. And that's when we disconnected, did a road trip for right. a year through Mexico and Central America. Right. And where did you grow up? In Portland. Oh, okay. You're a yeah. native. Wow. Yeah. Well, I, I grew up in the Burbs and did not connect with Portland at all. It right. was after college that I moved to the east side and really was like, this feels great. Right. This is home. So in the Bur- when you say the Burbs, what yeah. are you talking about? Beaverton or something? Exactly. Aloha. What yeah. a funny name uh, for a town. The, the names up here are hilarious. <laughs> they're, they're like so innocently obvious. <laughs> Troutdale and <laughs> Selwood, you know, it's like, Jesus Christ, a little artistry, please. <laughs> like Pennsylvania, we have, you know, bird in hand and intercourse and all these great, you know, people thought about that shit here. It's like, oh, what do they do? They sell wood. Let's call it Selwood. Yeah. Good idea. Oh, there's a port. Portland. <laughs> shit. Anyway, Beaverton. What? Gee, wonder what they caught in Beaverton. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, uh, yeah. so so in Beaverton, or, or where did you say? What was it? Aloha. 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 Like the Hawaiian? Yeah, it's part. It's Beaverton. It's right oh, there. See, it's... now that that just makes everything I just said moot. Yeah, how do you how do you feel about that? I, I mean, that's creative and beautiful, and has nothing to do with trapping or fishing or lumber. <laughs> Aloha! Wow, that's yeah. cool. That's but, like that's like naming a town in Idaho, you know, Chow or something. Like, what's Aloha have to do with it? Now, not see. Now I'm complaining about the other side. I, I can bitch about anything. That's the lesson here. Who cares like about you? Yeah. Anyway. Um, so wh- wh- where were we? You, oh, you were going to yes. tell a story about about cutting the cord. So you were like, "Fuck it, let's get out of here." Let's just, Brian was saying we got to be careful. We yeah. might not get a job when we come back. Yeah, Brian well, actually um, took a sabbatical, whereas I actually quit my job. Right. Um, but along the way, realized that it felt good the direction we were going and. You know, on the road trip daily, we were like, do we want to camp here tonight again? Do we want to drive to another little Mexican pueblo? Do we want to stay at the beach? Do we want to go inland? Yeah. Um, we were asking ourselves those kind of questions. And if you think about it in a bigger, in a bigger way, asking yourself those kind of questions every six months, every year, do we want to continue to live here? Do we want to start a business? Do we want to move? Do we want to travel long term? Like that's sort of the path we're on right now. Yeah. Sometimes I'm so weary Sometimes I'm so low If not for your sweet love I think I would move to Mexico TV shows a city Everything is down Find your friends 
and families needless earthquake shaken town Mexico Mexico Down the highway Down the line Cross the border Back in time to Mexico Sometimes I'm so weary How can I complain? All they got's a cardboard box to sleep in when it rains Who will tell his mother? Who will take the news? Who will bring his messes is gone black and all her blues? Mexico Mexico Down the highway, down the line, cross the border, back in time to Mexico, Sometimes I'm so weary I must be insane Ship me down to Mexico And show me about some pain Mexico Mexico Down the highway Down the line Cross the border Back in time to Mexico 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 We're choosing Portland, which is hilarious. We never saw that coming. We thought we'd want to live in some remote beach, very pristine, very off on our own. But turns out community is actually important. Portland brought it us is. back. <laughs> yeah. It is. It is important. I was talking to a guy here in the park the other day who um, retired at, I think he said 28, 30, maybe 29. And he's 34 now, and he's been traveling since then, like, you know, Tibet and the hunter-gatherers in Indonesia, like really hardcore travel. And, uh, and that was one of the things we talked about, that there are, you know, people hear about that and they think, oh, you know, that's the life. And, uh, and it is. It's fascinating and, and interesting, but there's cost, and one of the costs is community. Right. And I was, I was complaining because when I was young and I was doing that stuff, uh, one of the costs was uh, getting a, that's a nice little camera. Uh, <laughs> Brian just took a picture with a, 
uh, what are those called? GoPro. GoPro, yeah, without the case. Uh, they're tiny. Tiny. Um, when I was young and traveling, the cost was no um, like connection with women. Because when you're traveling in Indonesia or India or whatever, like any women, first of all, the native women, forget about it. And then the women who are traveling are either with their boyfriends or they're with a woman friend and they've got a, a vow written in blood that they won't split <laughs> up because the other one gets left alone, you know. And he was like, oh, no, dude, I just like update my OK Cupid profile to the town <laughs> I'll be in in a week. And I roll in and it's like I got three dates set up. Like, you Technology. fucker. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, community. When you're on the road, it's great. You're in those little beaches and you're meeting interesting people, but a day or two later, they're gone and there is a loneliness to it. Yeah, well, every, yeah. go ahead. It's like everything else in life. I mean, after a while, the newness, even if new is a new town every day, like it begins to wear on you after a while. And so yeah. you wake up and you realize, like, I'm taking the beach for granted. I'm taking the sunset for granted. I'm taking the fact that I'm completely free for granted. And, and that really hits home. I mean, that's what finally got to us. We're like, wait a minute, like we need to reset just because we've got this freedom doesn't mean the only way to answer it is to just keep driving south, you know, 15 miles at a time. Right. And right. we honestly thought we were coming back to Portland for a couple of months to see friends and throw some hugs and then we'd go back and just keep driving south. And we were here a year and a half before we finally went back for the vehicle. Oh, you flew back. You left the vehicle down there. Uh, where, in Costa Rica? In Costa Rica, uh, yeah. So you went down. How long did it take you to get down from, from here to? A full year. A year, nice. And you went just down along the Pacific Coast all the way? Almost entirely. We crossed over Mexico to see the other side. And, I mean, we spent most, by far, most of that time in Mexico. Mm. And so we did Mexico. We did Belize, cut back across the Pacific side, and then drove rest of Central America on that side. Mm. So you, you drove... Let's see, yeah. from Belize, you went into Guatemala, or you went up through Chiapas? We went back into Mexico. Back up to Yucatan. Yeah, and, then and to the... And actually all the way back, back up through Pacific Oaxaca. Coast, Oaxaca. Oh, good, We good. missed Mexico. Yeah. That is, we love Mexico, yeah. so we went yeah. back and spent another considerable few months before right. finally deciding to see the rest of Central America. Right. Well, that's good. I was going to say, you missed my favorite parts of, of Mexico if you skipped Oaxaca and Chiapas in that area. Beautiful. It's really nice. Yeah. Really beautiful. Did you get up to San Cristobal de las Casas? We did. Yeah, I like that town. Brian had food poisoning when we were there, so he <laughs> wasn't the highlight, <laughs> it might be a bit, un, bit surreal, the memories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had food poisoning in Palenque. Did you go yeah, down there? Yeah, we did. That was, that was I, I probably went to Mexico six or seven times and that was when I paid my dues wow yeah that was four or five days probably in a room in Palenque shitting and puking into the same plastic bag so awful yeah and then I came out of the room and there was this woman there I remember first day I came out of the room and there was this German woman on like standing there on the balcony and we started talking and we ended up having like a little fling and she told me that I, she was attracted to me because she was into punk rock and I looked like Johnny Rotten. <laughs> it like, and there you have it. It was like, yeah. So the only thing, the thing she was attracted to was the fact that I had been sick for four days and, wow. and probably looked like I was half dead. German chicks. Mysterious. What are you going to do? 
<laughs> so, okay, a year. Uh, did you have problems when you were, I mean, were you accosted by Mexican, did El Chapo come after you? No. Hardly. No. Yeah. No. I know no, we, we actually felt safer and better protected every day than typically we would camping in the States. Right. I mean, we didn't lock the door of the vehicle when we were in it or outside of it. I right. mean, most nights we'd fall asleep, whether it was on the beach or in like a, a church plaza, we'd throw the cargo doors open and just drop a screen and right. just sleep on the street. And, right. you know, I mean, occasionally if we were in a certain town, we'd shut the doors and try and be undercover. Right. Um, but no, we, it was great. And, and that was certainly an issue before we left. I mean, obviously all of society, including your friends and family and everybody's kind of yelling at you like, Oh my God, you're going to be beheaded twice. Yeah. Um, no, quite the opposite. Yeah. And, I mean, you had karma with you, but I mean. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I don't know if you remember this, Bri, but since we had been living in B.C. for the couple of years leading up to the trip, the media in B.C. that we saw about Mexico wasn't that bad. But in the States, uh, completely different. Yeah. the media was so all of the people that we knew in the States thought we were really crazy for going. But everyone we knew in B.C., like people were still traveling to Mexico yeah, Canadians are on still vacation. Traveling. Yeah. Yeah, no so it, yeah, it was. America's all about fear. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's what we do well, right? I mean, sadly, that's kind of our shtick. Yeah, yeah. Create chaos and, and then freak out about it. Well, I don't know if you guys know this, but we live in Spain most of the time. Mm-hmm. We're just sort of passing mm-hmm. through. Yeah. So I, I can definitely relate to what you're saying about how different the world looks from America than right. from normal, sane countries. Yeah. Yeah, it, and also, especially in terms of danger. Um, yeah, it's Mex. I love Mexico. Yeah, it, the people are so sweet, and and there's so much natural beauty, and yeah, I, I really enjoy that country. I mean, I, I traveled. I did a trip from um, the Texas border from Ciudad Juarez, El Paso, mm-hmm. down to Guatemala, all oh, wow. overland. Took like nine months or a year or something. Cool. <laughs> yeah, that people who listen to this podcast have heard some stories about that. That trip basically ended with me in Tikal. Did you go to Tikal? Yeah. Uh, did you go to the, do you remember the Jaguar Temple? Temple 4 is the highest yeah, one. We didn't go in and look at the temples because we had the dog with us uh, and they wouldn't allow her. Uh, but we definitely saw photos right. from our traveling well, buddies. And you've been up there, you know, yeah. the area. So I was at the top of the temple with my girlfriend. We had taken acid, and we were watching the sunset and the full moon rise, and I got stung by a scorpion. Oh, shit. And it turned into a big fucking scene. <laughs> I imagine. So that, that was the crescendo of that, yeah. that long trip. Um, but anyway, so you did a lot of nice beach camping. You met uh, interesting people, I imagine. Very. We met a lot of travelers, both European and North American, and then just a lot of locals. We really stayed off the beaten path. We really wanted to speak Spanish and, you know, live as though we were a local. And we intentionally didn't buy, you know, there's the book, the church's book that has all the campsites. And so most Mm -hmm. Americans, at least, that travel south on the Pan Am hit the same campgrounds. And so you end up with the same six people your entire way south. And right. So we kind of intentionally didn't buy the book. We didn't take a GPS. We just kind of Wandered. went to wander and immerse <laughs> ourselves and kind of try and experience it from a more local standpoint. And you guys speak Spanish? Jen was pretty good. I 65%? We could converse, right? Yeah. We I could. had a year and a half of high school Spanish. Uh-huh. You know? yeah. And so, But by the time we got done, we were 
basically fluent. Oh, nice. So, nice. We could get around. We could ask people, you know, what their dreams were and, you know, tell them our story and, you know, get a little deeper than that. Donde esta el baño? You yeah. know? <laughs> Cerveza, por favor. Donde but. esta el baño? De que sueñas? <laughs> Sueñas del baño? Sí, claro. Tell me the dreams of the bathroom. I, yeah, yeah. All right. No, I'm not going to tell bathroom stories. Can't do that. Can't <laughs> Another do that. time. That's Another a whole. That's a whole separate podcast. <laughs> yeah. In the talking out my ass series, I told you about. I'm I'm in India in 19, I'm 15 episodes in at this point. I think. I just finished the story about Kashmir, and the next one is the Rajasthan. Have you guys been to India? Not yet. It, it involves a bathroom story. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Travel just, just to so, wet people's appetite. Travel so like beautiful. <laughs> well, I mean, you get over a lot of hangups pretty quickly, like yeah. like talking about shit, for example, right? Because right? yeah. I mean, I, in in India, I remember people. You know, like you'd be in a guest house and you'd go to breakfast and there'd be a bunch of people you'd never met before. Hey, how you doing? Oh, you're Australian. Cool. Yeah. Hey, is your shit green? You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like just, just wanted to ask somebody, you know, because anyway. Um, okay. So Mexico, you went to Guatemala then? You mm-hmm. just, did you go to Lago de Atitlan and I guess Antigua, that whole? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I mean, we, we didn't have a destination. We didn't have a goal. Just you know, south. most people, like, want to get to the southern tip. Yeah. We just wanted to get free. And what know? were you and in? Your Volkswagen? 67 yeah. Volkswagen bus. 67. Mm-hmm. So you guys are, are we like, were slow. going retro and <laughs> being all We were hipster-ish. slow, but we, uh, we, we were pretty set up before we went. Um, we gutted the Volkswagen. We bought it for the dream of the trip. Oh, nice. Um, and Brian designed it custom specifically for our trip. So he asked me, you know, what one luxury item did I want? And I wanted ice. Hot tub. No, oh. <laughs> I wanted <laughs> ice cubes so I could have cold cocktails during uh, sunset. <laughs> and uh, uh, so, I mean, we had a solar panel and a fridge and a stove and a barbecue and wow. a all, bed for two plus a all dog. All built into and, a 67, you said? Yeah. Wow, that's really nice. And we yeah. had we had every piece of gear. I mean, we could snorkel and surf and fish and... We could do anything we wanted. It was wow. all all tucked away. Is it one of those ones where the, the top goes up? Oh, no. I only oh, no. wish. Uh, no. So you were sleeping. You had the bed in the back, just a yeah. straight-up bed in the yeah. little kitchen area. Yeah. That's my poor posture now. Uh, <laughs> crouched. A year of crouching over. Year, yeah. Yeah. I was thinking, I mean, if my wife and I were going to stay in North America, I'm very tempted to get like a one of those Springer or Sprinter vans. Sprinter vans. Because you can stand up in it. You know, you could do all sorts of interesting shit in there. We do have a little envy of the Sprinter vans. They're nice. And they're small enough that you could park them, you know, like Mm -hmm. a normal sort of parking spot. But, yeah, uh, yeah, they're nice. And they're diesel engine. Yeah. Yeah. I always said my next modification would be like a box truck, you know, like an old taco truck. And I just have the whole wall fold down for a back deck out on the ocean or something. Yeah, that's but, a nice move. You know, you look at the Sprinter and you're like, oh, that's pretty it's kind nice. of already there. Like, and they've got them with the the, the awning that comes yeah. off the side and yeah. So what what's, like, you guys are much more clued into this. I fantasize that like 40, 50 grand I could be set up with that. Is that realistic? Mm-hmm. That's low. What do you think? I mean, a used one, you know, five yeah, year. I mean, presume you could pick up maybe not the mercedes sprinter but the dodge sprinter mm. you'd probably pick up for 
25 grand a show. Really? Oh, really? And then what's it cost to, to outfit them? I mean, I know you did yours. It's hard to say. I mean, yeah. for us, it was just materials and a ton of time. Yeah. So it's... Yeah, I know there are companies that do that. nobody's yet asked us that. to design one, so I can't, <laughs> I can't yeah, really say. But. We did look into some companies that were designing them, and they were twenty to 30000 for right. a yeah. custom design job and right. build out. But sadly, people, I mean, especially when trying to do a big overland trip like that, people get really fixated on on the the stuff and how to survive and what right. what the perfect vehicle is and right. in all honesty like you know we met people on the road that were on a bike that he just picked up for 10 bucks <laughs> you know in san diego yeah. um we met people yeah. in you know like a yugo we met people in everything and so the yeah. the idea is not really how much money can i drop on the perfect vehicle it's just quit making excuses and get on the road yeah, right that's a really good insight yeah because the whole vehicle fixation is just another form of the consumerism that you think you're trying to get away from, you know? <laughs> Absolutely true. Yeah. I do that with camping gear. Like, oh, you know, yeah. I got to have the latest, best tent that I'll, you know, rarely. <laughs> I, I actually sleep in L.A. We were living at Topanga Canyon for a winter, and we had the tent set up in the living room of our apartment. <laughs> and we slept in the tent every night, but, you know, on carpet. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not Good sure that news. camps that counts. Um, Don't get me wrong. I'm a I'm a gear whore from from way back, yeah. and I miss somewhat that ability to just go drop a ton of cash on nice gear. But you know, it's it's we always had a nice closet full of beautiful gear that never got used. Yeah. Versus having no gear and being out all the time. Right. So it's a pretty fair trade off. And there's a, a lot of uh, psychological research. I don't, I don't know if you guys read this sort of stuff, but there's a lot of research showing that in terms of people's contentment with life, experience is far more important than possessions. Because mm-hmm. you get used to possessions very quickly, whereas experience, you, you get the pleasure of anticipating it, you get the pleasure of experiencing it, and the pleasure of remembering it. It's really well said. It's, it's so much more <laughs> complete, yeah. So uh, are you a designer? Because you guys do a lot of design work. It's fair, fair word. He's I've a been very called worse. Passionate designer. You're you're a humble guy. Yeah, He's so very that's humble. what it is. Yeah, we yeah. got to break through the humility to he, to get the, Brian the real goods. Is a very natural designer. He right. he his brain is always designing the space. Like he's mm. probably already designed a pergola to be over us and. <laughs> A little bar right there. That what a treehouse! <laughs> treehouse. Right Did you there. do a treehouse yeah. for us? Yeah. yeah, it's always been on the list. We haven't done it yet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we go past like old shanty churches, and he's like, "Oh, that would be a beautiful, beautiful space. We could, you know, old houses. I want to save it." So yeah. you know, and I don't really sleep. So you know, we'd be on the road sleeping next to some shanty of a bombed out looking hotel and Jen would wake up and I will have modeled the whole thing in 3D and then turned it into what I would do if we actually had the cash to buy the shanty, right? And and wanted to stay there for and a And wanted to stay there, right. Yeah. Well, we actually, I mean, that's part of what happened right before we came back is we actually started putting some offers with the rest of the cash we had on the bombed out shanty and talked about like first just parking the bus under it and then later right. building it up and up and up. And I think it was that like reality check that made us go, wow, we really miss what's going on back home as well Mm. so costa rica was where you came closest to thinking about putting down roots no it was mexico Mexico. oh it was mexico Uh, where yeah um a few few. one in oaxaca one just north of puerto Vallarta. um yeah you know just kind of the nice combination of 
good beach, good people, yeah. a nice kind of interaction between locals and gringos as opposed to kind of a, a, a clash or a rift between the two groups. You know, in a place that we thought we could get into with what little of our money we had left and try and make something out of it. Yeah. We had a hard time finding communities with people our age. Like, there were a lot of retiree communities, and, mm. um, you know, that's not really... I mean, that's cool. There's nothing wrong with that. But we also crave, like, you know, live music and rock and roll and <laughs> tequila shots. And even in, <laughs> even in Travelers, I mean, I think there was two major groups that we fit into neither of. You've got right. people straight out of college or before college who kind of see it as their last gusto to go play. Yeah. And then you've got newly retired people that are like, oh, i got to get out there and see yeah. where I'm going to move to or right. uh, see the world while I'm still quote-unquote young enough to do it. Yeah. And the number of people we met within our age group was just, I mean, non-existent. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I get that too. We were, Cassie and I were backpacking in Southeast Asia few years ago and it, yeah like nobody was our age you know um yeah yeah it's although in southeast asia i, I kind of feel so disconnected from the local population as well that i don't think it's that big an issue in latin america since i speak spanish mm-hmm. i guess i don't know I, I don't feel that um encapsulated you know so i notice yeah. things like that more yeah so uh Oh, now we're getting a picture of the mic. Well, is that a fish eye? It's like my eye. Right? <laughs> oh, how things look! You should have. You should be talking into the dead kitten then. Oh, damn it! I, I won't tell you what I've done with this dead kitten. Thanks, I appreciate that. <laughs> we have a friend. Uh, actually, last time I was in Mexico, we have a friend um, who's extremely wealthy, uh, but he's not a dick. He, he made. <laughs> I, I always have it's to say designation. that. I have to say that. <laughs> Um, he made all his money on wind farming and now he lives on, you sort of like what you guys were doing on a van. Um, but he does it on a yacht, 130 foot yacht Beautiful. with like three levels and a crew and you know, all this stuff. And he's just going around the world on his yacht. So we were with him up in Canada. He's from Vancouver and we were up in Canada on the boat and then, um, for 10 days in the sea of Cortez. Amazing. And I, I took all this gear down there and recorded some podcasts on the boat. And that's when the, the kit, dead kitten play occurred. But that's <laughs> as much as I'm going to say about that. Um, so uh, you're traveling down the coast. You come back. You're missing community. Now, it, when you came back, I remember the story you guys told me was, as I remember it, you'd rented your place. And then when you came back, you said, well... Let's just let them keep living there. Mm, they did not want to leave our house. They yet. didn't want to leave. Yeah. And you're thinking, well, do we really need to be picking up that mortgage payment again? Right. Three-bedroom house. You know, at this point, we're used to living in a 65-square-foot bus. What was that <laughs> like? Did you guys get on each other's nerves? I mean, you both seem no. incredibly <laughs> easy no. to deal with. No, it's, it's funny. At some point, people's number one question actually started shifting from, like, well, haven't you been harassed or robbed to... How the hell do you guys live together in that right. small of a space? Aren't you harassing each other? But no, at least for us, it was we actually enjoy each other's company, oddly enough. Um, that is strange. Yeah. It is strange, it, it, I, it, as it turns out. I, I've made a joke before that we quit our jobs so we could spend all of our time together. <laughs> it's really cheesy. <laughs> Fairly true, though. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, yeah, we couldn't, like, obviously, we're jobless. We had sold everything. 
so we had no stuff even to fill a three-bedroom house with, much less a desire to, uh, to live in it. You didn't leave stuff in storage. Well, you're renting your place, so you could very leave little. stuff in there, right? Yeah, yeah. very little stuff, though. That's we really good. downsized a lot. Was that painful? In the beginning. In the beginning, downsizing's tough. Yeah. And then once you start to kind of feel the the freedom, you know, the shoulders start to get a little bit, a little bit lighter about mm. not having to move all this shit with you. And pretty soon, purge day was like, it's like a holiday. Yeah. yeah. I mean, rewind 10 years from today, and we were living in a 2,000-square-foot, five-bedroom house. We had three beds, two TVs. Like, we had... Slap full of shit. You don't have Attic, kids, garage, right? no basement, kids. Just, everything was Just the dog. The fuzzy dog. The fuzzy kid. And we thought we wanted to stay there forever. Yeah. You know, we thought that was the house we'd live old and die in. And, God, I look back, it's just... It gives me the shivers just to think about having yeah. to fill that house. Yeah. And today we live in a 480-square-foot garage studio, and we are not without anything. With a really sweet double shower, as <laughs> yeah. I recall. Dual shower heads. Dual shower, yes. like like the rain, those flat <laughs> rain heads, right? And it's kind of like stone inside yes, there. It's yeah, it's very spot. It's very luxurious. Yeah. But we lived in a bus for a year, and... Uh, we, our only showers were when we, you know, coughed up to be at a campground or when we filled the solar bag. <laughs> oh, I burned myself on one of those solar bags once. Yeah, that happens. They get really hot. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, you, you shower out of a bag and live in a bus long enough, you know, priority shift. Yeah. And so suddenly having a dual head shower seemed like the best thing we could ever achieve. Yeah. And, you know... I think 480 is probably, I think everybody, we always talk with our clients about, you know, what the number is, what the square foot number is that's perfect for you. And everybody's obviously different. For some, it's 3,000. For some, it's 200. But like 480 is probably too big for us. Hmm. It's just that was the size our garage already was. And so we used it. But our true number is probably closer to 430 or 450. Well, half of our 480 is the kitchen because I love to cook. So we have a huge island. Yeah. Are there pictures? There are pictures online of your place, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where where can people see the? Is that at Zen Design? Zenbox. Zenboxdesign.com. Yeah. 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 It's it's a beautiful place, and you got your bed up, like on a loft, lofted bed, and there's a fireplace under that. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yes. Fireplace out front, and then kind of a tool storage laundry room, kind of back behind it. Right. Yeah. Right, and that's plenty of space for you, and and it yeah. and you've got the whole kitchen dining area like sliding glass doors that open up, so mm-hmm. and you've got a patio out front, so we can meet strangers walking <laughs> down the street, strangers who wander in from the street. <laughs> exactly, we've met some really interesting people. So we've been there for about a year and a half, and. Um, you know, we, we're traveling a bit now, and so we, we're renting it short term to mm-hmm. tourists and Airbnb. You do an Airbnb thing. Yeah. yeah. Nice, nice. Um, so we, we're kind of missing it a little bit, but when we were there, uh, we just meet so many people, have such interesting conversations. We have gotten pretty tight with our neighbors because there's so many like interactions that we never had before when we lived in the house. It's really beautiful, yeah. it's really yeah. cool. We really enjoy it. And our, our whole goal was to, you know, take this giant garage door that was there and just keep it glass and have the whole thing fold open so that, you know, 480 suddenly is whatever you want it to be because right. you've got the entire outdoors. Right. And so we spend an ample amount of time with those doors kind of flung open as they were when you came by. And a lot right. of people, especially at dusk, look up and think it's a bar or a restaurant. And yeah. so they just naturally kind of walk up and they're like, hey, what are you guys serving? And we're like, well, 
<laughs> what do you want? Welcome to happy hour. <laughs> there um, but yeah, we met more people in like the first four weeks in mm. the garage than we met in four years in the main house. Yeah. You know, one thing about um, Portland that my wife and I really like after living in Spain, she's from Africa, actually. Mm-hmm. She's from Mozambique, and she's Portuguese. She's she's a very <laughs> confusing person. But uh, she she loves certain things about America, you know, nature particularly. Mm-hmm. Um, but she finds Americans to be um, fearful, unfriendly, because mm-hmm. strangers Guarded. are, yeah, dangerous. Yeah. But not so much in Portland. That's that's what that's why we're here, right? Because people are much more, hey, how you doing? You know, what, they're not afraid to interact with you without some prior approval or whatever. Um, and that's that's a really nice thing about this country or this city. Although I still miss Spain. Every time I meet a woman, mm-hmm. I miss Spain because in Spain you kiss women, you kiss everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and here, like, I meet, a, I meet a woman, it's like, oh, how are you doing with a handshake? Like, what is this, a business meeting? Come on. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I guess it is, yeah. yeah. All right, so you guys have to leave at what time? We have a hard hard no. stop here, right? I just wrote them. We're probably okay for a little while. A little yeah. 10, 15 I haven't minutes. haven't heard back yet, but sure. Well. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk about your business, though, because uh, I've seen your designs. I saw that trailer that you have. Mm-hmm. You designed that? Mm-hmm. I saw that at, the first time I saw that was at some like art or, or craft fest or something? Yeah, probably. probably. It was right in the entrance? Yeah. yeah, probably at ADX, the community shop down on 11. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what it was. That's th- where we built it, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. Ah. You know, we got back, we flew home, our, our camper was stuck south, and we're like, God, we're in the Pacific Northwest, we actually have time to go camp, we got no way to do it. And we were driving a Mini Cooper at the time, we just bought this little car for the summer we thought we were back, right. thinking we could sell it for more money than we bought it. And so we tried to build a trailer that was so lightweight we could pull it behind <laughs> That's everything. Hilarious. And so, so you bought that, you made it so that it would be Mini Cooper compatible. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's very funny. And it was fun. I mean, it was, a, yeah. again, you're talking about like 14 years of design anxiety that have just been packing up inside me. Oh, yeah. And so yeah. I started we building, so I started taught myself bubbling. to weld, started doing some furniture, built that trailer. <laughs> And then our garage was just like, you know, a dream project because it was actually something we could use. And so, A, someone else is paying our mortgage. That's not a horrible problem. Yeah. B, you know, here we are with like the ability to design whatever as long as we can find a way to afford it. Yeah. And it was great. And it just kind of fell into a business because suddenly all those people that we're meeting are hearing our story and they're learning about ADUs, accessory dwelling units in Portland and how to, you know, get more ability for income and profit out of a mortgage you've already got. Right. And so suddenly Jen kind of realizes that I'm up at 3 a.m. designing other people's homes for free and... And loving it. And loving it and suggesting maybe we should start asking for money if we're going to keep taking jobs. (laughs) (laughs) And once again, she's kind of right. Yeah. You guys guys make a really good team. That's that's (laughs) obvious on many different levels. Polar opposites work that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so we just, you know, we decided to give it a go. And so we kind of put a name on it and put a sign out front. And here we are designing tiny homes and garage conversions and all kinds of kind of groovy fun projects. We're in our double-digit clients, so nice. we're a new business, but there's been some really fun projects that... Well, your, your work is so beautiful. I mean, this, this trailer, I didn't even know it was your trailer 
until I went by your place and saw it parked in front there. And I thought, that's funny, that that trailer. Because I took pictures of that and posted them on Instagram oh, when really? I saw it. Because it, it's like a little, it's like a little mini Pacific Northwest Airstream made out of wood. Out of bamboo, you know? actually. Oh, it's bamboo. Oh, that is so cool. Which is actually part of the problem because now we're trying to sell it, but we're so deep in it because of the materials we chose that selling it's actually a little right. bit of an issue. Well, right? it's not a cheap thing you just threw together. Right. It's a, yeah. it's but a, we've got a V-dub bus. It's we a don't work need of a second art. camper, really. So, yeah. yeah. Right. We'll figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's really cool. So you guys do, someone has a, a guest house or something, you guys will come in and renovate it and take advantage of the space artfully, and that, that's essentially what you're doing? In, with in most cases, it's a garage or an attic or a basement. Oh, uh, okay. Um, in some cases, it's just a piece of ground out back. Right. But in most cases, people want to take advantage of, you know, the old shell of a garage they've never parked in once since they bought the house. Yeah. And so we'll come in and design a way to make it a beautiful work of art as well that they right. can either rent out on Airbnb that mother-in-law can move into, son can move into out of school or daughter. Um, and it's fun. I mean, I think one of my biggest fears when we came back from our trip is that every day on the road we're meeting all these interesting people and people that yeah. were pushing the envelope and trying to get out of being stuck or find another path. And I thought we'd come back here and kind of fall into the same cycle that we were in before. And oddly, like some of our funnest meetings are the ones we have the first time we meet somebody where they're trying to tell us what their hopes and dreams are and trying mm. to tell us, you know, find a creative way to get there. Yeah. And so every one of those meetings, even if we're so swamped we can't actually take the work you know we still go out and spend an hour or two with somebody just giving them all of our ideas and talking about it because it's it's electric and it's, it's fun really and, fun yeah know, and it's, it's very intimate i mean if, if they're talking about yeah. i mean they'll be talking about aging parents or you know yeah. kids they're hoping to move back or you know kid going through a hard time and they need to move back yeah it's, it's or all of the above like one first and then planning that five years down the road it'll move into a, yeah. a different use and yeah But we feel so lucky to be given this chance that we have, right? I mean, we're living completely on our own terms and free. And it's it's the thing that we're passionate about and we want to talk about. But Mm. getting people to come out of their shell, I mean, it goes back to that handshake with every chick you meet, right? Like, how do you get people to come out of their shell (laughs) enough to actually, like... How do you get the kiss? Vino! How do you get the kiss? Vino! (laughs) Yeah, I mean, maybe that's why we're open for happy hour every time the door's open, right? I mean, how do you get people to really spill... Yeah the fears and the dreams and, and try and pave a path to get there. Right? Yeah. Not everybody has Jen sitting at home saying, we're just going. Right. Fuck you, we're going. I'm going with it without you. I she did didn't say that. say that. I knew you'd say it, that. It was implied. I, no, <laughs> never. It was a personal fear. It wasn't actually I, a I am fear. appreciative that yeah. you were in. Yeah. <laughs> we're not all lucky enough to have one of you. So it's, I don't know, I almost feel at this point, I mean, this this type of thing terrifies me. Getting up on stage terrifies me, but, you know, at this point, like, I feel like it's my duty to share with people that there's actually, you know, there's something yeah. else out there. There is another path. Well, it may not be that's clear, why right? I but, chased you guys. I got to say, you two are more of a <laughs> fucking prima donnas than, you know, any guest I've had on this podcast. Normally, they come to me. They want to be on you two. It's like, oh, well, we're going away, and then you know, and then we'll, make, we'll be back for two days, but then we're leaving again. Jeez. You too. Uh, <laughs> but I'm glad you did because that's really the point of, of what I wanted to, you know, I wanted to get other opinions on this because you've, you've designed a life where you can do what you want, as you were just saying, things you're passionate about on your own terms. You take the work you want to take. If you don't connect to someone, you don't need to do the work. You don't need the money. Um, uh, 
Well, I'm saying you, you don't get <laughs> well, it from them. You'll get it from someone else. But you're, yeah. Well, but you're, that's the goal. That's your the goal. overhead is pretty low. Absolutely. So as long as you can keep your overhead low, then you've got fuck you money, right? Yeah. Which, well, honestly, any any money dreams we have is for these exotic travel locations we want to go to mm-hmm. right? with our friends that, right. you know, double income I'll friends. introduce you to the guy with the yacht. <laughs> He was trying to get us to go to Bora Bora because he was going around the world. And he's like, come to Bora Bora. I didn't want to say anything, but you know how much it costs to get to Bora fucking Bora? Ten grand. (laughs) Just so happens we do. Uh, Yeah. 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 Um, uh, So, okay, last last question. Because the key is to get to a place where you're doing what you're passionate about, et cetera, et cetera. Right. But the problem that a lot of people have is... They don't know what they're passionate about, especially when they're 20, 25, you know. Did you guys know? Did you did you have any clue that it would lead to where you are now? No. No, no, no way, shape, or form. Right. And I, yeah. I would probably also add that we don't know where it's still leading. Right. Like, this is what we're choosing to do now. Right. But, um, you know, Brian has ADD. This may be a two- to three-year venture, and then we may go follow some other dream that surfaces that's down deep inside (laughs) i think that's a really important point that that people want to know where the path is leading before they start walking and it doesn't work that way yeah you don't know what's around the corner till you get there yeah what's what's the next tattoo you're gonna get bry leap (laughs) yeah i mean honestly in the in the path of us trying to go jen just kept repeating it to me repeating it to me leap of the net will appear leap of the net will appear Mm. and i don't actually I still don't know that I buy that, but I'm coming around. You know, leap and build the net on the way down, maybe. Um, but but there is something to be said for it. I mean, I always hate to admit that she's right, but in most of these cases, she actually <laughs> was right. I mean, it wasn't just some right. stupid hippie dream. Like, yeah. you know, there's something to to getting out there, and I think you can't you can't see it until you allow yourself to. Right. I mean, our society pushes us so hard to have our entire you know life planned out by the time we're eight. Yeah, and so I was that guy. You know, I had to go to school. I had to go to grad school. I had to, I had to get married and have a family and get three kids and have the perfect house. And you know, there was never time to actually stop and and see what I actually wanted to do right. or what would make me happy or any of those things. And yeah. now, it just seems so stupid simple. You know, those things don't matter. I mean, they really don't. Any of them. I could have done almost everything I've done post college without ever stepping foot in school right um not that i'm not pro school i still am but it it's it's a difficult problem and if we can't find a way to you know convince kids to chase their dreams and see what they want to do before they spend money and time learning to do it i just don't know how we turn that around yeah I mean, I, you're right it's all backwards to this day i just wish i had one aunt or uncle that would have just been like man just go surf for a while just you know, you, somebody will actually pay you to dive every day as long as you carry a couple of tanks down to the dock, right? Like, anybody <laughs> ever tell you that? Like, man, I would have gone in a heartbeat, but I just didn't know it was out there. You're that uncle, and you just said that to about 50,000 people. <laughs> thank, so, thank goodness. That's there so you go. That's perfect. No, I mean, I, I, I vehemently believe in this process now, and I, I know that it's, it's still terrifying. It was terrifying for me. Like, I... I get it. It's not like it's just an easy thing and you cut bait and run. And, you know, making a plan is kind of important, but you can also get lost in the plan and never go. I mean, I aborted at least once and had to tell Jen I wasn't ready and we had to save more money and do things. But, you know, catastrophes keep popping up. 
And if you allow a catastrophe to make you stay in a life you're not happy with, they're just going to keep happening. Yeah. Yeah. And it gets heavier and heavier. I read a quote yesterday that I'm going to use in this book. It's from uh, Khalil Gibran. Do you know him? You ever read his the stuff? Name, yeah. He's a, he was a Persian poet, I think. And I can't remember the quote exactly, but he says something about comfort, which enters your home as a guest and then becomes a host and then a slave master. Wow. <laughs> you know? Wow. And it, I mean, I think about, um, you know, we were talking about the, the uh, bag shower, the solar yeah. shower and stuff. <laughs> like, and I think I may have talked about this on the podcast before, but I can remember the best shower I ever had. <laughs> and it involved heating a pot of water over a fire in Nepal for, you know, 20 minutes and then mixing it with colder water. And then, you know, and then finally at the end of it all, just dumping the bucket over my head. I'll never forget that the fucking experience. shower. Yeah, but I can't even remember the shower I took this morning, right? <laughs> I mean, that that's the way we are Absolutely. about space. It's the way we are about heated, you yeah. know, comfy cushions and pillows and all that stuff. Comfort in Spanish, well, you guys know in Spanish, aislar means to insulate and to isolate. Mm. It's the same thing. Yeah. Sad but true. Yeah. So get out on the road, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for doing this, guys. Yeah. And, uh, and showing up late for your happy hour yeah. to boot. I Our appreciate pleasure. it. No, it's been fun. Uh, to tell us the, the two, uh, zenboxdesign.com is where people can see your stuff. Yeah. It's the business and website. The if business. they're in Portland and want to have you come and look at their garage. Mm-hmm. And the, your travel blog. Com. With a Z. Yeah. The Dangers. Which has nothing to do with, um, what was his name? Carlos Danger? <laughs> Remember him? Who was the, the congressman who sent the dick pics? You know what I'm talking about? No relation. Anthony Weiner. No relation. I've had a relation of his on this podcast, actually. Nice. Yeah, he's a, he's a political consultant here in, in Portland. Um, but that's another story. Okay, the dangers with a Z dot yeah. com. Yeah. All right, cool. I have a goal that I just identified in the last hour, and that's to bring the greeting kiss to the community of Portland. Oh. <laughs> No more handshakes, right? It's going to be huge. Is it cool if I kiss everybody? I've had, of well, course. I mean, it does, it's not an on, if it's Spanish, it's not on the lips. It's a cheek kiss. It's very innocent. We're bringing very a cheek innocent. kiss. To but there's there's like a it's an interaction that's more endearing than than the distant handshake. I find. What's intimate? Which there terrifies is, us. Yeah. Us, and, you know, our, yeah. our people. Yeah. Our people. <laughs> our, our tribe. Our uptight, fearful, aggressive, dangerous tribe. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that conversation and appreciate your support for the podcast, especially those of you who do it through fundwhatyoulove.com, where you can set it up to take a buck, five bucks, ten bucks, whatever you can afford, whatever you feel motivated to throw at the podcast every month. Uh, you don't have to think about it. It's an ongoing thing. You can cancel at any time, of course. That's fundwhatyoulove.com. That's run by Danny Osment, who also does the sound engineering for the show. You can find him at emeraldcitypro.com if you have any engineering, sound engineering needs. He's great. I vouch for him, of course. He's been doing the sound engineering for this podcast for over a year now, completely voluntarily. Uh, he's a cool guy. So if you have any business you want to throw his way, please do. Thanks to Basin and Range for the opening music. You can find them at basinandrangeband.com. 
Uh, there's a Reddit tangentially speaking discussion group. If you want to talk about episodes, throw a question at me, get a conversation started at Reddit. Just do a search for tangentially speaking, all one word. And of course, thanks to Bennett at Shore Design T-Shirts, another guy who's been supporting this podcast from the very beginning when I had about 15 listeners. He was there. He's still there. And uh, I love him. Never met the guy, but I love him. And I sure as hell love his shirts. So you can get his shirts at shoredesigntshirts.com. And of course, all the shirts that are at chrisryanphd.com are made by Shore Design T-Shirts in Thailand and packaged and shipped to you by my mom, Julie. Uh, say hi to Julie if you order anything. She loves it when that happens. And of course, last but not least, thanks to Carsey Blanton for the song you're about to hear, Smoke Alarm, which reminds you to carpe fucking diem because you're going to die one day. He said, baby, what's a big deal? Feel what you want to feel. Say what you want to say. You're going to die one day. For example, I could kiss you Just because I want to What's the difference if you turn away? I'm gonna die one day Why do you waste your time Thinking about your reputation Trying to meet an expectation Wondering what they're gonna say Doesn't ask for much A little music and a soft touch Why don't you let it out to play Your heart is in a birdcage Singing in your chest You wanna shut it up but give it a rest You're gonna die one day Why do we waste our time Thinking about a reputation go down we'll go singing to the smoke alarms we'll dance into the ground